You're listening to the Manchester Vineyard Podcast. We'd love for you to join us. To discover more about who we are, where we meet, and how you can connect with us, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description. And very good morning to you. We're delighted to share this morning uh, with you the vision for 2019. Today we want to celebrate some of what God has done amongst us in the previous 12 months and we want to look ahead to the next chapter. We believe it's really helpful um, to reflect on the journey that Jesus has us on as a community and as a family. In our current fast-paced culture, we can so often forget to look back. It's often as we look back on what God has done that we can then look forward in faith to what might lie ahead for us as a family. We need to stop and to pause and to reflect and give God the glory. We want to stop and pause and say thank you. I'm going to share a few stories. I'm going to share a little bit of the journey. Uh, We can't reflect on it all, but I'd encourage you just to take some time this week personally to reflect. Reflect on your part of the journey and the story. How have you changed? What is God doing among you? And how can you allow him to do more? If you feel on the edge, if you feel on the edge of a relationship with Jesus or the edge of this community, will you consider afresh how you might take steps to change that? 1 Corinthians 4.20 says, for the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk, it is living by God's power. We want to do that. We want to be that. We don't just want to talk about it. We want to live by God's power and be people of God's presence. You have to remember, we are only a very young church plant. This last year, we celebrated just our second birthday. But as we reflect on this last year, we want to give glory to God for the many things that have happened, for the many things that we've had the privilege of seeing happen among us. It's so encouraging to be part of such a servant-hearted group of people that make church happen. Over the past year in total, you have given over 4,268 hours on Sunday teams. That's 177 days worth of time. Approximately half of that time is given before anybody else even arrives to create home and family for others to come and to be part of. You have created remarkable environments of welcome. Someone recently visited us and said this, we love Manchester Vineyard. We were given a great welcome in the car park, clear instructions throughout. It is clear that you have thought extensively about how to welcome new people. Your worship was spirit-filled and passionate and had an intimacy that was so accessible. It was high quality, but it was also not overproduced or entertainment. I met with the Lord and our kids were so beautifully cared for. Thank you so much. This welcome extends way beyond just Sundays to mention just one other way you have and many of you have contributed to help make welcome dinners happen, where we give many people an opportunity to come and hear what we're about and how they might get more involved. Thank you to each and every one of you that creates those spaces and those environments for others to come and explore Jesus. Over the last year, you've put out, not including today, 3,202 chairs. At times, fully setting down this venue from a school to set ours up to set ours down, to then reset the school again. You've served over 5,000 drinks to people that have come and invested 880 hours in the lives of children. A huge thank you to the many of you that serve on the kids' teams. All of this so far is just mentioning Sunday's things, but we are not just a Sunday's church. Our children's work is currently for the ages between 2 and 11 over the last year, We've also seen the start of a once a month youth program on a Sunday and then throughout the week once a month they meet. A few of them are able to go to DTI, the National Youth Conference, and uh, we believe many more will go with them this coming year. Small groups are really the heart of all that we do. In the last year, small group leaders have collectively given over two and a half thousand hours to leading groups, building community and relationally investing 
in the development of the church. We've seen a number of new groups planted. We've created more space for others to come and join us. And our small groups continually function as an environment and a place where people can join us that have had no prior understanding or experience of who Jesus is. It's been so exciting to hear many of the stories of lives changed. This last year, over 22 Why Jesuses were taken just on a Sunday. Five people were baptised and a number of people have given their lives to Jesus for the first time. We had Scott McNamara, an evangelist, join us. In the space of a weekend, we saw 16 people give their lives to Jesus, either on the streets or here on the Sunday. We're believing for many more over the coming year as people have an opportunity to hear about Jesus, but also as we're further trained and equipped to share our love for him. We continue to invest in the development of this church community, growing family together. We've done many things, picnics, inflatination, kick air, naturally supernatural, where many of us went away together for a week of investment and encouragement as a church family. Once again, the kids team went above and beyond in their investment and development of the younger members of this church. And we watched on together as we faced the highs and the lows of football not coming home yet. We launched the Monday Thursday worship gathering. We had our first songwriting retreat. We gave the kids an alternative to Halloween and a chance to invite their friends along to a shine party, among a number of other gatherings that we held throughout the year. We've created many more opportunities for students to come and be part of this family with things like student lunches. And we launched 4-1, providing a group of eight volunteers an opportunity to give two days a week to serve the church and to impact the city. We're so grateful for the added capacity and the willing hands that they've been enabling us and helping to facilitate many more things. We've seen many of you serve at the National Youth Conference, go to and serve at the National Leaders Conference, and a few of you lead worship at David's Tent, the worship gathering, as we also seek to be a blessing to the wider church. Either attending or serving, over 60 of you were at Cause to Live For, and we've stood alongside the other churches of this city, joining together in prayer for a spiritual turning of the tide in Manchester. The Lord has stirred our hearts for people and places in this city. We committed to actively praying and walking the pathways of each of the 10,000 homes around this Sunday venue. In 2018, we were able to see that through to completion, but what a privilege it has been to sow seeds of the kingdom into this local community. We sought to partner with key decision makers and gatekeepers in the city, helping to strategically shape policies that directly impact the lost, the last, and the least. We started working with Greater Manchester Citizens and soon became part of their leadership team. This is so important because we believe that we're here to shape the city. Thank you to the many of you that have given time and energy to this. Through our involvement with Manchester Citizens and the work that they're doing, the University of Manchester, which is one of the largest employers in the region, is going to start paying their workers a living wage. Manchester City and Manchester United, the football clubs are huge employers again and have a massive impact on ordinary people. They are also both on the edge of paying the living wage and living wage accreditation as a result of our lobbying. Through the Mayor's Assembly, we've built a relationship with Andy Burnham, the Mayor of Greater Manchester, and he's made moves to crack down on hate crime. He's created the Every Bed sorry, Bed Every Night initiative for rough sleepers and encouraged social care providers to adopt an ethical care charter, holding providers to high standards of care for both residents and staff. Greater Manchester Citizens has had a hand in all of that. I'm not going to share with you the details because it's actually quite alarming, but the heat map that you can see shows the concentration of sexual assaults committed in one month alone in Manchester. Our involvement in Manchester Citizens as a church has represented women's voices on an ongoing campaign to make the streets of Manchester a safer place to be. Ten of you have worked with other institutions to plan campaigns and help shape citizens. 
Manchester Vineyard members are now beginning to form a wider group of Greater Manchester Citizens leaders who continue to shape that organisation and see policies written in a kingdom mindset. You are heavily, heavily involved in seeking to shape this city one life at a time. You're on the advisory board of a local Big Lives Children's and Nurseries Centre, connecting other nurseries, schools and healthcare organisations who work in this area, particularly with families that face poverty. Throughout 2018, your generosity in filling the van gave over two and a half thousand pounds worth of essential items that were distributed to those with greatest need. In the summer of 2018, to help, build, to help beat school holiday hunger, you collected 97 kilograms worth of food, and as ever, the kids were involved as much as the adults in creating shopping lists and truly living out one of our values that everybody gets to be involved in doing the stuff. In December, we did the Christmas for Everyone campaign. Not only did you give generously, but you drew others in. A few local schools and many others were able to participate in meeting some of the most pressing needs of the people in this city. In the two weeks before Christmas alone, you gave over three and a half thousand pounds worth of items. As ever, you responded to the individual needs. On hearing there was a shortage of toilet rolls in the area, this is what one of you went and did. In the weeks following the attack in the Manchester arena in 2017, we used a camper van to meet some of the practical and relational needs that we were aware of in this city. The camper van felt like it was our living room on the streets. It was open, it was accessible to anyone and everyone. It communicated a love, a warmth, and a hospitality and acceptance. On the anniversary of the attacks, over 50% of this church, over 50% of you were out on that night on the streets, engaging in conversations and giving things away. Over 450 hours were given by people engaging on the streets over the last year. Many of you, as so often you do, have spent many further hours preparing things that would be given away just as a token and a sign of the love of God and as a conversation starter. You gave away hundreds of bee stickers on that particular night. The next day, one of you sat next to a colleague who said, I was given this bee sticker by a really nice church who were normal and friendly. <laughs> you love that. Talk about divine appointments. Many of the many that we've heard over the last year as you stepped out in faith and sowed seeds and seen doors open to share Jesus. After hearing there was a shooting following the carnival in Mossside, a number of you were out on the streets the next day, serving the needs of the local community and helping with the clear up. We hosted a fireworks event as a practical way to serve the community that saw over 2,200 people attend. Over 2,200 people attend. We've run Alpha, a course and a mechanism for enabling people to explore Jesus. We hosted Beer and Carols, a carol service that was done to quite a remarkable standard. You were constantly creating environments for people to hear about Jesus. There are so, so many more stories that I could share. We don't have an AGM, but if we did, this would be it. With that in mind, I just want to give you a brief financial update. We don't have a PCC. For those of you that have never heard of one of those, it's probably best left that way. But um, Steph and I lead the church. We work in team. The Vineyard is um, an Episcopal movement. We're accountable to an area leader. We have numerous mechanisms of oversight and accountability. We're also so grateful for the trustees and their due diligence and wisdom. And our accounts are independently examined. We're grateful to the many, many hours that a small team of volunteers put in to serve this church behind the scenes with regard finances. Let me just give you a brief overview of 2018. Our income came in predominantly through the regular giving and generosity of the members of this growing church. £99,000 came in through regular giving, £7,000 through one-off gifts from those outside the church or through some income from events. This is a huge shift from last year from ad hoc, sorry, ad hoc to now regular giving. 
which has helped us sustain and start and create new ministries. £3,000 through restricted giving, which was towards the For the City pot, has enabled us to continue to support Compassion Ministries in the city. We're grateful for those of you that give and fill in gift aid forms. Last year, we were able to reclaim £19,000 through gift aid. If you haven't yet, can I encourage you to do so? For every £1 that you give, we can reclaim 25p at no cost to you. If everybody that has given filled in a gift aid form currently, we could reclaim a further £6,000, which is a staggering amount of money. There's forms available at the back and in the welcome area if you'd like to do that. But therefore, overall, the income for 2018 was £128,292. Just going to look at the outgoings. In 2018, total expenditure was £128,000. At first glance, that could appear to be higher than our income. However, £13,000 of this expenditure was from for the city restricted funds, most of which was given in the previous year. When stripping all of this out, our income in 2018 was actually £123,000 versus an expenditure of £115,000, which shows, like last year, as running at a slight surplus. surplus. Admin accounted for 7%. 75% was directly spent on ministry, doing the stuff that we believe we're called to do. This is a huge increase from the previous year, where we had to focus on... Uh, some of our resources on general startup costs and building up our reserves to a sustainable le level. We've committed from day one to giving 15% of everything that comes in away. We want to give to love and to serve this city and things that don't directly benefit ourselves as a church, but things that are part of our mandate and mission and vision to love this city. I'm delighted to say last year we gave away 18%. And since this church was planted, overall, we've given away 21% of everything that comes in to things that don't directly benefit ourselves as a church. We worked out at one point that per seat we put out on a Sunday, if you take into account all of the associated costs, is the equivalent of about £7 per chair per week per person. Last year, the venue costs also increased by 33%. Not that it's ever a Sunday's thing, but that hopefully just gives you a slight insight. What I'd like to do now is just show you our current regular giving against our forecast and projected budget for 2019. This time last year we were forecasting a slight deficit in 2018, and it's through the generous increase of your regular giving that we were able to exceed these expectations. The trustees meet regularly to ensure that we faithfully steward these funds that we've been entrusted with. And again, in 2019, we're budgeting to run at a slight deficit. We're so grateful for all that is given, and in faith, we continue to pray for an increase in our resources to allow us to continue to facilitate our reach across this city. One of the many ways that we'll do this is to continue to support the additional spending on compassion ministries even though the for the city funds have now been spent as you can see we're forecasting donations including gift aid of 124,000 pound in the current year sorry in the coming year based on current giving levels this is against a forecast spending of almost 130,000 pounds we step out in faith that that shortfall will be overcome but to ensure that we're wise, we also have enough reserves to be able to facilitate this. Much of what we want to do, much of what we could do, is released in and through the generosity of people partnering with us in fulfilling the vision. We are not externally funded. Can we, Steph and I, just say an enormous thank you for your faithfulness, your generosity, enabling us all collectively to facilitate all that has been and all that could be. If you've yet to consider financially giving to this church, can I encourage you to play your part? There's a number of brochures like this available at the end as you leave that explains in more details what that might look like. We don't have formal membership. Membership is really involvement, and we want to invite you afresh today to join in.
in every sense of the word. Join a team, join a small group, come and play your part in what God is doing among us. We don't want you to be a spectator. We want you to be a participant. What a remarkable journey we've been on. And we look forward to the year ahead where we believe this will be our biggest step of faith to date. As I mentioned earlier, 1 Corinthians 4.20 says, for the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk, it is living by God's power. We don't just want to talk about it, we want to live it out. The vision of this church from the very first day has been to love Jesus and love Manchester. We want to build a community that will live the way that Jesus did, seeking to shape the culture of Manchester one life at a time. We want to build a community that finds and understands the needs of the city and seeks to practically and compassionately respond to them. We want to be part of extending the hands and the heart of Jesus to the city of Manchester and intend to be a church that gives a significant proportion of our time, energy and money to reach out beyond ourselves to help others. As much as we look back over the last year and we celebrate, it's been remarkable. We recently celebrated our 100th Sunday gathering together, but we want to continue to step out in bold, courageous faith for the season ahead. One of the most heartbreaking things to see in the city is child poverty. In the Bible, the poor are generally seen as those who are powerless in society, those that lack the basic necessities to sustain, sustain life. Without resources and without a voice, they not only lack power, but they lack social respect and material goods. Those daily stresses and strains of survival can lead to many other challenges relationally and socially. The remedy really is only found in the life and the teaching of Jesus. We believe that we've been led to this, our current Sunday gathering, for a purpose. Our hearts are for the city. Manchester has one of the highest rates of child poverty in the country, with 42% of households in need. We can't stand here and tell you that the dream in our hearts is to remove one child from child poverty. It's not enough. What about the next child? We can't say 10 children, because what about the next child? We could dare to dream and believe that we would see a hundred lifted out of child poverty. But what about the next child? Therefore, the only dream that we can have is that we want to say we want to see child poverty eradicated. The problem is, how do we quantify that? What even is child poverty? There's so many factors involved, but just because we can't quantify it, can't stop us dreaming of it being eradicated or believing that as kingdom extenders, we should be people that should give a voice and a life opportunity to those that don't have one. We believe that as a church, we can partner with and empower families facing child poverty to recover those fundamental needs and actually go further to see full restoration, the fullness that really can only truly be found and realized through Jesus. Child poverty can be defined in many ways, but broadly speaking, it is a lack of opportunity or access. So it's a lack of access to life opportunities and basic essentials. There are certain fundamental needs that every Manchester child should be able to count on. A safe, warm home environment, stable parenting, regular healthy meals, access to healthcare, a minimum level of household income. There are also basic needs alongside a number of resilience factors, belonging, learning and coping, which can be determined, so it can be a determining factor in helping a child to succeed and reach their full potential, despite the many problems or setbacks in life that they may face. The need is huge, but we are called to respond to the needs of the city. This is one of the greatest needs and this city, and it has an impact on virtually every area of life. Up until now, we've given support to a few frontline organisations in this area, as I've already shared earlier. But we don't just want to meet practical need by proxy. We long for a closer relational reach into the city and to provide greater opportunities for you as a church to be involved in doing the stuff that Jesus did. In order to do this, we need a space of our own. 
we need to move from occasionally visiting our neighbours to having a home amongst them. Steph and I, for a while, have begun to dream of what that might be. Many of you have read words and pictures and senses that have all fed into this. For many of you, therefore, I don't actually think this will come as a surprise as the Lord has begun to collectively stir the hearts among us. In 2017, we became aware that the Longsight Longsight Youth Centre was on the council's list of buildings for community groups to start to utilise. It's just up the road from this very building, in fact, less than half a mile away. We drive past it every Sunday on our way here and our hearts leap. In 2018, at the National Leaders Conference, we shared with the trustees the growing dream in our hearts. We said this might just be the earliest days, but maybe, just maybe. 15 minutes later, we went to a church leaders prophecy session and a guy said to us, I've been praying for you for the last eight months. Our heads turned. We had no idea who this guy was. We'd never met him before, but to be praying for us for eight months was quite something. He said, I believe the Lord is going to give you a derelict building in a predominantly non-white Pakistani Muslim area, and he wants you to know he's saying it's him. Do it. We've received many, many more prophetic words that would all point to the Lord leading us in this direction. This last September, on our second birthday as a church, let's just remember for a moment we're only two and a half years into doing this, but on our second birthday as we gathered together, for Steph and I, it felt like a significant day. The vision for this was already in our hearts. To ensure that we had the talk recorded correctly, one of you took a backup recording on your iPhone. On the latest version of iOS, it also records your location. Here's the photo of that recording. Whilst we met in this building, they recorded us as being in the Longsight Youth Centre. It's not something I've been able to replicate, having tried numerous times, but I cannot dismiss the coincidence of the sheer volume of things that have been pointing us in this direction. In our short period of time together this morning, it's quite hard to convey to you the sheer magnitude of awareness that we have that the Lord is leading us in this direction. More than anything else, we want you to know that we are just seeking to do what the Father, we believe, wants us to do. And this, we believe, is his leading and his prompting. Every step so far has been a step of obedience, and we just have to be obedient again. As with every step we've taken so far on this journey, we've sought to listen and to respond to his voice and his leading. And whilst there's been many twists and turns on this journey, and indeed this may not be the eventual landing point or the building that we get, it is certainly right that we take this step of faith and see where he leads us. In exploration with the council, we've had our initial proposal accepted and been invited to submit a full proposal of what we would use the building for. Whilst we found ourselves in a particular place of favour with the council, we realise one of the greatest challenges we currently have is a lack of finances to give us the credibility to do it. This is therefore a huge step of faith for us as a church, as the opportunity of a lifetime needs to be lived out within the lifetime of the opportunity. A key local councillor has said to us that they had agreed to knock it down, but if we'll use it to, say it's to serve the local community in the way that we say we will, he will not stand in our way. This is an opportunity, and it is an opportunity not for us to have a home as a church. We want to create a living room for the city in an area that is defined by low educational attainment, by unemployment, by broken relationships and poor health. We long to rewrite the story. Through this building's restoration, we'd love to see a community restored. We'd love to tackle the detrimental effects of child poverty and breathe new life into Wardwick, Longsite and beyond. As with every phase of the journey, this is about people. Our lack of a building so far has meant often that we're not able to relationally connect with people in the way that we'd like to and have been unable to offer as a church as fully as we'd like to the resources and the support to this city 
that we know that we can uniquely bring as a vineyard church. Our plan, therefore, is to expand our current practical provision of families in need, offer supportive community space alongside training to enable people to escape poverty for good. The list of creative ways we could do this is really quite endless. Coffee mornings, parenting support groups, job search support, breakfast clubs, homework clubs, English lessons, specialist mental health and addiction services, money management advice, and many, many more, utilising many of your skills and offers of creativity to do it. A few of you have already been exploring further ways to provide some of these things, regardless of our lack of a permanent place to be able to do it. We long to create more ways for you as a church to practically do the stuff that Jesus has called us to do. This would provide you and many of us with ways and opportunities to more practically do the stuff that he's called us to do in an area that so desperately needs it. We're aware that as a church plant, at many points on the journey, your willingness hasn't always had environments where you could practically express it. We believe this will provide fertile soil for many of you to be more involved. We see this building as a centralised base, not only to, for localised compassion, but also to provide us with a springboard to reach many other areas in the city. Whilst the intention is to serve the city, without a doubt, without a doubt, this would provide us many additional benefits as a church. A permanent midweek space, including things that could be used for Alpha students, youth, worship nights, training events, parenting courses, to name but a few possibilities. This venue that we're in today, whilst wonderful at many times, has presented us with challenges. And it's limited us in not being able to do all that we've longed to do. When it snowed a few times, or didn't even snow, but they thought it had snowed, we couldn't meet. We wanted to do a number of midweek gatherings and worship evenings, youth and student gatherings, and create spaces for training and community. We've wanted to do things together on Sunday afternoons. We've desperately needed a centralised facility to allow small groups to function. We don't yet have enough people with large enough homes central in the city to be able to do that without having our own space. We need space to sort, store and sort the practical provision that we're gathering to serve the community. We need an operational base for things like prayer gatherings, leaders meetings and social spaces for you to gather. Buildings are useful for a number of reasons. It would give us a sense of permanency to those that don't yet know Jesus and to this community. It could be seen that we'll just move on at any point. To many, the concept of meeting in a school one week, sorry, one day a week is very difficult to understand. To the poor in the community, they don't have a place or a space to see as their home. We currently lack a physical presence in this city. It would not, that we're currently aware of, provide us with a Sunday function and a gathering like this. We currently have an outstanding provision here that we don't see changing at any time soon, although of course that may change. But in the immediate, it would give us a presence and it would give us a permanence during the week that we don't currently have. The youth centre that I've mentioned used to be a public library and a public hall. It was built on a piece of land that was first given to the council in September 1891. The public hall was refurbished in 1984 to accommodate a youth centre. The youth centre was the only statutory building specifically for young people in the area until around six or seven years ago when all funding was cut and it has since sat completely derelict. The building, we need to assure you so that you're aware, is going to take some work. We cannot underestimate that. Although we can see so much of the potential and have vision for it, it will require significant investment. We'd love to restore it to serve the community. We could go and find a different building, one that needs less work, one that potentially is more purpose-built. However, the beauty of this vision is restoration. We're seeking to take something that means so much to this community, that has so much history and so much heritage, and to restore it. 
we're not saying that we're going to recreate the youth centre that was. We have a specific vision for the provision that we'll provide and many dreams that will come from you for that as well. But there are things in that place that really resonate. What has fascinated us has been the original wording of the building's vision. It said that the centre was to provide potential for the future impact of people locally, as well as being ideally placed to effectively provide a hub and spoke vision for people beyond itself. It is a well-known, much-loved centre within the community on a main arterial road leading into the city. I'm told over 20,000 cars pass it daily. It is a prominent, iconic building in the heart of this community and very central to this city. We've always felt drawn as a church to be as central as we can to the centre of this city. We believe that we're called to plant new churches, some of which will be in Manchester itself. Some of the language we've used and some of the words that have been prophetically spoken over this church is that we would be a hub and spoke church, that we would start to build centrally and form something that would reach out wider across this city. This could be the operational base, the operations room, the central hub that not only impacts the local community but also allows us a place to gather to train and equip leaders to be released all over this city. As we start to do that, could it be that we'd have the capacity and the resources to further release expressions of the vineyard across the spokes of this city? Our vision has always been regional. There is a great need in this area and this building project would offer us a central point in the city to build and expand outwards from. It will be big enough to accommodate and facilitate the next phase, but also not so big that we can sit back and get complacent. There may come a point where we have to expand further into other parts of the city, and that has always been the vision. Let's just have a quick look at a video that will hopefully show us the building. Welcome to what was the Longsight Youth Centre. We believe this place has incredible potential for everything that the Lord is calling us towards in faith in the life of this church. Come on, let's have a quick look around. This for us is the room in this building that really brings it to life. Admittedly, it needs a lick of paint and a few sofas, but I can see it that this would be the living room for people in this city that they could call home, where they can come and it's warm and it's safe and it's inviting and we can start to serve and meet some of their needs. Just over there is a hatch and on the other side is a kitchen. Let's go and have a look. So here we are in the kitchen. It was installed pretty much brand new before funding was stripped and has sat derelict for the last six years. It's time to bring this building back to life. Social deprivation, child poverty are having a devastating effect on this community. Can you just imagine that you could use spaces like this to bring hope and restoration to the local community? Breakfast clubs, extending hospitality and life to the people that come. almost purpose-built for so many things I could see is using it for. Steph, what are you doing? 
because you're basing it out now. <laughs> Exciting, isn't it? The amount that we need to raise in order to renovate this building for basic use, we estimate to be in the region of £150,000. It's likely to be more than that, but we believe in faith that is initially what we should ask for and to take an offering for. We anticipate that the majority of that money will come from people within the church, both in upfront gifts and ongoing pledges. Whilst this is a significant amount of money, for us as a church and a major step of faith we believe it is achievable the sacrifice we will make will release a future that will be a huge blessing to this city as they use the facilities and the many activities that it enables and ultimately experience god's unconditional love demonstrated in so many ways as with everything we've done so far 15 percent of the total offering given we will give to things that don't directly benefit ourselves as a church. Whilst we're aware that essentially this whole project is not for our benefit, there are elements where it will have a huge benefit for us as a church in the op operational functionality. Therefore, we'll be careful to ensure that we're faithful to the commitment of giving 15% to be used in ways that don't directly benefit ourselves as a church. Our intention is to give at least a proportion of that to facilitate the vineyard movement in their unfolding plans to reach youth across this nation through Dreaming the Impossible and other initiatives. We'll share more about that in the coming weeks. Again, this is a huge step of faith for us as a church. It's a long story and I won't share it all, but a few months ago I was feeling the fear of would we be able to raise the amount of money and from within that then give 15% to things that don't directly benefit us as a church. I felt the Lord whisper to me one Sunday afternoon that one person would give, not necessarily someone in this church, but one person would give that 15% as they seek to partner with us in extravagantly, being extravagantly generous, even beyond the reach of ourselves. So what is the invitation? We are inviting you and anyone else who would like to, you may want to ask friends, family, colleagues, and many others to partner with us in making this exciting vision a reality, whether by contributing upfront or and over the coming years. We would encourage you to give as the Lord prompts you and in accordance with the resources that he's given you. We want to be a people who give sacrificially, but also freely. We serve a radically generous God who calls us to be a generous people. We give out of an act of worship, not out of obligation or guilt, but over the, as part of the overflow of our hearts. The amount we each give will not be the same, but it will require equal sacrifice from us all. We believe this is a moment for us to respond with our hearts and sow a seed that the Lord can multiply. This is a loaves and a fish moment. And we pray that the Lord will multiply what we humbly and faithfully bring before him. Our intention is to hold a giving day on Sunday, the 24th of March. In addition to that, we'd like to invite you to join us on two specific days of prayer and fasting on the 9th and the 21st of March. As you begin to think about what and whether you might give, both up front and over the coming years, it's important to make that decision prayerfully. 
For most of us, looking at it simply, we could not afford, after our outgoings are deducted, to release very much. For this project to happen, it's going to cost. It will involve significant levels of sacrifice. We're going to need to give significant amounts of money up front to enable this to happen. As you pray about this exciting next step for us as a church, you may find God inviting you to make changes to your everyday spending choices in order that you can pledge to give to this living room in the city. For example, a weekly coffee might cost you £3.75. Over the course of three years, that amounts to £585, which with gift aid is increased to £731, which could be the cost of installing new toilets in this centre. Each small change to our regular habits could add up to make a remarkable difference to the lives of children and families living in poverty. Whilst we may not feel we have surplus, in comparison to those that we seek to serve and love in this city, we have so much. In this stage as a church plant, many of you as pioneers have paid a price. To grow, we've had to stretch ourselves. Some of you in the long term may move on from this city, move on from this church for jobs or family or whatever it might be. But we would encourage you to still play your part now and create something for those yet to come. I don't think it is in any way helpful for Steph and I to share what we're going to give, but it may be helpful for you to know how we've come to the decision of what we will give. We both independently prayed and thought about an amount. We decided that if we differed on what to give, that we'd give the higher amount. On discussing it, we both came up with the same amount and we decided we'd add more to that amount, even though it was already a stretch. The stretch needed to have a greater degree of faith and sacrifice. There are many things we will be laying down. We'd been thinking in the next few years we'd need to replace our car that's beginning to struggle. We have a few home improvement projects that we're dreaming about. We'd love to go on holiday this summer. We are no, in no way telling you how or what you may need to lay down. We're not judging you in any way. We will not know what you give. There are things that we may still do because the Lord may provide in other ways, but we believe that it is helpful for you to know that for us to do this and us to do this collectively as a church, this is going to involve sacrifice. On top of that upfront gift that we intend to give, we then calculated a further amount that we would give on a monthly basis over the next three years. Again, a stretch, but we looked at the total overall, overall amount that this project needs and we worked out a percentage of what we might be able to facilitate and how we might step out in faith to give generously. We'd encourage you to step out as an act of faith as we seek to partner with God, what God is doing in Manchester. We want to be a community who gives sacrificially to change our city, but also those that give freely. What giving sacrificially means to each, of, each person is going to be a relative thing. And we are not approaching, sorry, and we are approaching this on the basis of equal sacrifice, not equal gift. Give to the Lord in proportion to what he has given to you. The important thing is that each of us give what he has asked. He knows our hearts, he knows our circumstance, and he knows the cost of our sacrifice. This journey together will change us. It will shape us as a community. And that is as much, if not more important, than the building. Every further step into the kingdom of God costs us everything that we have gained to date. Please, please, please hear this as invitation, not obligation. For Steph and I, this is a huge step of faith to even lay this before you. We've wrestled and we've lost sleep over it, not because we underestimate your faith or your courage, but because we just long to be faithful in leading you. This is no small ask, and we are aware of that. 
but we believe this could lead us into a fuller extension and expression of our faith in this community and bring life and hope to so many that so desperately need it. We must say this building is not a certainty. Whilst we believe the Lord has led us to it and has opened many doors, it may not be right. Even if it doesn't work out, we believe this is a moment in our history where we need to step out in faith and place ourselves in the best position to step forward to love and serve this city. Therefore, if this particular building does not work out, or indeed we are too far from the target to make it possible, or if economically this becomes unwise, please know this is not a building we would pursue at all costs. Our intention would be to ring fence the money given and pursue similar options because we do want to rewrite the story in this community and in this city and we want to see and to live out our own God stories. There is a little brochure, looks like this, that you can take away as you leave, which will explain the vision, how you can partner with us, and may answer some of the many questions that you may have that will help, hopefully also point you in the direction of some further information. We'd encourage you to take a few, read it, share them with others. We're sharing them with our friends, family, and neighbours, and asking them to be part of our collective unfolding story. We have to dare to believe for what we don't yet see, to create pathways for others to come to know Jesus, for the people that come after you, for the people that come after us, to build a foundation on which others can come to know and to love and to serve Jesus and to be part of serving this city. Would it be that future generations would say thank you rather than if only as we courageously step out in faith together? Thanks for listening. To find out more, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description.